the marinade. There's no O in marinade. Let's try it one more time. Ready? One, <laughs> two, three. <laughs> the marinade. Marrow. Marrow. Marinade. Bone marinade. The marinade. The marinade. With Jason Earl. Welcome to The Marinade with Jason Earl, a free-flowing conversation about the creative process with creative people. This is episode 127, and our guest is Mike Harmeyer. Mike is the lead singer and principal songwriter for his band, Mike and the Moon Pies. The Texas-based band has released eight studio albums, including their most recent record, One to Grow On, which is an absolute masterwork. Their 2019 album, Cheap Silver and Solid Country Gold, recorded at Abbey Road Studios and including the London Symphony Orchestra, brought Mike and the Moon Pies critical acclaim and scores of new listeners. They're known for their raucous live shows, Mike's powerful lyrical imagery, and just being all-around kind folks, as you will see in this interview. We caught up with Mike on the band's tour bus ahead of their show at Will's Pub in Orlando, Florida recently. Jordan Foley in the wheelhouse and Joshua Ray Walker were also on that bill. Everyone, it is my great honor to present my conversation with Mike Harmeyer. <laughs> I'm trying to make this as awkward as possible. Yeah. Mike. <laughs> that was I'm, I have my fair share of in doing that as well. So. The uh, I feel like when we start this, like we ha- context is important because I think it's um, <laughs> I feel like we can't go into this conversation without the people listening knowing that as I come in, you're about to get an IV. You don't know I have a phobia. Uh, the people listening know I have a phobia and I walk in and I was like, the funny thing about phobias is like it, to me, what you were doing is the craziest fucking thing 
anyone could ever do. You voluntarily were getting a fucking IV on a bus. Yeah. Like, there's nothing crazier in my mind, you know? But that's my phobia talking. That's not my rational brain talking. Man. And uh, so we've postponed this, folks, listening, so I can go stave off a panic attack. I would like to say also that Omar is a wonderful therapist. Omar came out and talked me down. Also, Joshua Ray Walker, sweetheart, very patient with me, sitting out there with me. There's a lot going on. There's a whole lot going on, dude. There's a lot to unpack here today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So thank you, man. I'm thank really you. looking forward to talking thank to you. you. Um, you know, I, I want to talk... Uh, I want to start with cheap silver and solid country gold and because for several reasons. And I think the big thing is it's genuinely one of my favorite records of the last probably Thanks. five or 10 years. Yeah. I mean, y'all created a masterpiece Thank you. and, um, it, it, it's one of those that kind of like, um, as you, as I think about when you listen, you just hear this masterpiece, right? And then when you hear the story of, about how it's coming together, I'm picturing like you guys, in London, as I understand it, it was your first time overseas, yes, maybe. Yeah. It was, yeah, first time overseas. You're at the legendary Abbey Road Studios. You're, I'm picturing you guys like recreating the Abbey Road uh, cover as you're going right. into the studio, right? And then you go in there, and this is in this. There's a lot of like weight to that space. There's oh, a sure. lot of like, um, and then, and it's your first time overseas, which can be, um, there's that's another thing that you're that you're always dealing with in those kinds of moments. Was there a moment where you guys were just sort of like, oh, this is a lot. I don't know if this is, like, are we ready for this? You know what I mean? Well, I mean, we had only, we had played, we were over there for maybe two weeks, I guess, and they only played two festivals. We played one in France and one in Italy, mm-hmm. and then went to London to make the record. So the whole time that we were doing these festivals and traveling through Europe, all that was on my mind was what was going to happen when I got to to ah. the studio, you know what I mean? Yeah, and we yeah. had we had only we had done pre production a little bit for the record, so we kinda made the record once, you know, generally speaking, in Texas before we came and, and did it in the studio. Mm-hmm. So we were all still kind of thinking about how I was still writing lyrics, you know what I mean? I was we were writing for the record going right up to the day we walked into the door. Mm-hmm. Uh so that was that was pretty heavy. But then, you know, walking into Abbey Road for the first time was was very intense man and you know you kind of have to get a feel for the room and then you're just you're weighed down by the history of the whole thing um it's palpable in there and you're seeing all this gear that like you know all these icons and legends have played on yeah and uh but we only had three days so it was like you kind of gotta put that aside and get to work <laughs> was yeah kinda the, was kind of the bit you know yeah well what is you mentioned writing up until that moment for for you in the writing process what what does it look like normally are you a sit down and do the work kind of person is it that you're writing on a deadline most of the time what does it usually look like for you well I mean normally like I don't write on the road I write at home um, and I just have to carve out time to do it you know I mean I'm married I have a five-year-old boy like and I'm touring most of the time so you know I when I go home I'm also have you know I'm wanting to just spend time at home mm. so I do have to like carve out moments where I can go out to this little studio in my backyard and and you know work on it yeah um, so normally I it's just if the if the, if it opens up I can get maybe two or three things in a day or something like that you know if I get really in a groove yeah but I just I just you know I, I write little country songs do you know I mean I've not I my, my, my whole thing is though I try to not overproduce stuff in my head when I'm writing it that's where I get lost because I'll start to think about, you know, if I can get through a whole song without 
getting thinking about how I'm going to make the record, then I'm winning because <laughs> it's yeah. Yeah, I get I'll get too caught up in what my head lick is going to be or something like that or you know get caught on production side of it. I try to try I'm I'm actively working on keeping my headspace out of that. You know what I mean? I'm and focusing more on the song before I get to the making the record and then focus on the record when I get to that part. Okay, what does that work look like? Is there like under mantras? Is there like what is how do you do that? Because it seems like you're saying you're actively working on that. So it seems like there is a bit of a challenge to it. Yeah, there is. Um, I would say that in the past, I really wrote to the show. Mm. I, you know, like I would write to what the band, what what we can do live, and what how I want the show to. I would write songs that like, oh man, this I want to write this song that's gonna be the set opener or the closer you know what I mean like yeah I would write things that like I knew were gonna work in the show and that worked for me and that's kind of how the steak night record was done was that was like man that was I'm writing to this show that we're gonna play mm-hmm. it was kind of like a live studio record basically yeah um, but I I don't want to get I try to not to make the same record over and over again so I try, try to change my process as much as I can you know experiment with things I love that and that comes out in the work for sure um, you know and I was thinking about I watched that wonderful garden and gun session that you did recently and you were talking a little bit about the sort of the the, the well opening you know yeah. just creatively can you take us to those songs and sort of that the new stuff and the headspace that you're in creatively with that yeah I was getting kind of you know like I said I don't want to make the same record again and I was I, I was kind of coming off of making this when the grow on record there was really about you know home life kind of and you know everyday working man thing and um i was trying to not fall back into that thing you know i always the first yeah. couple of songs i write after we're done with the record i was like oh man that could have been on that record ah, huh. so it's like man let me not write those songs again yeah <laughs> uh-huh yeah so i, I was kind of in a rut because everything that i was writing was still in that same vein and it was just like how do I get out of this thing? Vane, really, Mike? Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Slip of the tongue there. <laughs> I'm good. So, so I was, you know, I, I got to where I couldn't finish anything. I would write one verse and then be like, oh, this is going down the same path. Yeah. And so I would kind of toss it. Um, not toss it, but be like, man, let me start over, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so really, these have been, I, I was reading these these Jeff Tweedy books like the past like three four months you know yeah 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 uh, the how to write one song and you know let's go so we can get back and I was kind of reading those in tandem and doing some of the exercises from one book using the other book as you know as I was so as because I mean I love Tweedy yeah, I love oh, yeah. Wilco dude uh-huh. like it's like my obsession yeah you know? yeah uh, so I'm really really into it and I was waiting to read those books until I needed the inspiration uh-huh. to change it up so it was kind of here's my here's my moment to do that you know and figure out different ways to song to write songs that i'd never tried before yeah so uh, it was a whole brand new process for me you know i'm doing word letter word ladders and shit like that and all these you know highlighting things out of books i was like i wanted to write a song about space so i went and bought like some star trek books and was highlighting lines it was it was crazy stuff you know what i mean so yeah uh i don't know it's just it's been fun and cathartic basically to have a new way to approach songwriting you know what i mean hell yeah that's <laughs> really and i can hear it in your voice and i can see it in your face too the excitement that you're feeling with that's that awesome. what is it about i'm a huge tweety fan too a huge woco fan huge fan of all i got his solo records and everything yeah. you know um what 
I know what it is about Tweety that speaks to me. What is it about Tweety that speaks to you so much? What is it about that writing? Because it's incredibly different, I would argue, incredibly different from what you what you do. It is, and it, it, it blew me away reading some of the things in the book about how lyrics kind of take a back seat to him, it seems, mm-hmm. when he's writing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, that's really crazy to me, you know, because he just basically depends on you to figure out whatever the hell you want that to be about. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, his his thing is juxtaposition of words you know what i mean it's like this word shouldn't go in front of of that but that's what makes it so cool and you can you know what i mean yeah. um like assassin down the avenue right like that originally was like assassinate but he's like it's cooler if i just say assassin and use it yeah. as like a verb yeah yeah <laughs> it's like yeah. so cool dude yeah that's so wild <laughs> yeah it works yeah for sure so yeah I'm, you know i'm trying to actively play with those things without just sounding like I'm writing Tweety songs. Yeah, <laughs> <You know>? yeah. <laughs> right. Well, there's a lot of discipline to that, too. The work that he does, and, you know, I've read those books, too, and, like, when he talks about the process, there's a lot of discipline that goes into that, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, Are you you yourself disciplined in your writing, Do you would you say? Um, I don't know. It depends on the day. <laughs> it yeah, depends yeah, on the yeah. mood that I'm in, really. Sure, sure. I, I, the, I think what really has helped me in that regard is another thing where I would think too far ahead in writing a song. So now using kind of these techniques that I'm learning through some of this Tweety stuff is I'm just writing down the line that is the first thing that comes into my head, right? And I'll come back and get it later. I'll come back and I just want to fill that space and get to the next line. Yeah. And that way you just have a ton. You have way more lines now to choose from and to edit than I did before because I used to be just like, if that's not what I want to say, how, how can I move on to the next line yeah yeah how do i got to get this line right before i can do the next one so my new discipline is to not do that and just write the line that is here this works for me right now okay i'll come back and i'll i can revisit it as many times as i want i can change that a month from now or whatever you know yeah so keeping the process moving forward is has been uh, I think the most beneficial thing that I've been able to learn from that stuff. That's super interesting because also there could be a tendency if you have more stuff, right? You've written more. There could be a tendency to find that overwhelming because oh, yeah. there's a, there's an editing that has to happen for you to get to that place. Yeah. So, th- so it sounds like instead of that feeling like too much or overwhelming that it's almost like comforting. It is. I love, I love, going back and then editing the lines it's like how's the what's the better way to say that you know what i mean or what what did i maybe i didn't even mean that you know what i mean (laughs) yeah yeah it doesn't mean what i thought it did when i wrote it and then i get two verses down it's like okay now that line means something else to me yeah and i can change it so i mean the editing process now is probably my favorite part of of doing it i i don't know if i've ever heard anybody say that that's awesome (laughs) yeah Yeah, like how can i make it a little bit cooler yeah (laughs) is that a solo thing like are you just sitting by yourself to do that editing or are you bouncing those ideas off of um it's you know i try to get as much out as i can before i fall into a hole or i get to a place where i just can't go any further and i can't think of it you know i mean i can't move any further and that's when i usually bounce it off of like adam yeah and i'll since like the whole time that i'm writing if i get far enough into a demo because i'll have you know 30 demos of a song before i get to the end of it different versions of it or here's what i need to just I'm not bad at I'm not, I'm not good at remembering my melody lines sometimes and stuff like that. So I'm I'm constantly recording on my phone. Okay. So I'll just send that stuff to Adam as I get to a place where I think, okay, where's a where where do I go from here? I'm kind of at a point where I've lost track of what I was doing. You know. 
that's awesome what a gift to have a creative partner like that where you can you know you can get to that place and like i'm stuck yeah, it's <laughs> great know? man we have yeah. that that whole tennis ball thing man you know yeah it's, it really works how, how did y'all how did that relationship creatively begin like how did y'all get um, to that place well when i when i met adam he made our uh, live from the Windstar record, he had uh -huh. engineered that record and recorded that record. Yeah. And then um, we liked how that record sounded as a live thing, and so we wanted to make the State Night record to be a live-sounding studio record. Uh huh. And then we made that record, and during that process, <clears throat> we just like realized, man, we were just like, this is our, you know, we're thinking Dope. about everything the same way. Yeah. Um, that's where it became to where well, now we're talking about how we're going to put that record out. You know, I mean, everything became me and him doing it all. You know, figuring out the next steps and and it just it was a business and creative you know melding that just i don't know dude it just was like meant to be yeah adam's sitting right here for folks listening by the way that's <laughs> why that sounded so good <laughs> <laughs> i will i'll try to get mike off, off off record about how he really feels about the whole thing um uh one to grow on is another masterpiece so like you just keep putting out these incredible records man and um and you know as i was doing the research for this and reading about sort of your process with one to grow on and the sort of character driven uh thread that runs through it and uh of course you have a fucking song called the vein on it god <laughs> damn it mike you're trying <laughs> to kill me um <laughs> but uh it's a great song too <laughs> But um, not your favorite on the record. I'm I mean, sure. I, I do it. I do it one one and a half times. I do it one and a half time. Yeah. You know, so it sounds good that way too. Yeah. Um, but it's just an incredible record, and I, and I'm interested in that. So that's that's a very different thing, creatively than the Tweety type process that you just described that you're working with now. Can you talk about that process of writing this record and how it came together? Yeah, that was um, you know, I was home a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, and I've told this before, I have that 85 Chevy truck, and I kind of was just like, that was my whole inspiration. I would just go sit in that truck. Oh, right dude. on, yeah. And be like, because my dad drove the same truck Yeah. when I was a kid, right? Yeah. So, like, trying to remember those things and think about those things, you know, like shooting BB guns and, you know, stuff like that, you know what I mean? Like, I was mm -hmm. just trying to live in that moment. Mm -hmm. uh, and it wasn't hard to do, man. I had to, I was had a lot of time at home. I lived kind of out in the country. Mm -hmm. It was like all it was kind of revisiting my past, right? I think yeah. everybody during that time frame was all kind of, you know, reflective. Yeah, you know? yeah. So um, I didn't want to just write it about my absolute past, you know, my direct past. Yeah. Um, that's where the character thing came in. I was like, okay, well, let me think about people I knew back then and friends of my dad's, friends of mine, and uh, tried to tell their story rather than mine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Know? Is there is there two things I want to get to? One is, well, let me start with this, which is, there's something about your dad's truck, like a, a universal thing. Those of yeah. us who had, grew up with a dad with a truck, right? Totally. There's There's something universal about the dad truck thing. I just recently, uh, my father is doing great right now, thankfully, but he was real like for, since May he's been going through it health wise, right? right? It's been really really tough. And um, it's been really hard on all of us. And he and so for a while I was driving his truck. And now granted it wasn't like his truck he had when I was a child, but it, it for the last 20 years or so, right? So almost half of my life he's had this truck right. or right out half my life. So uh, I was driving it for a while and there were times when 
I would just break down. Yeah. Just like, not, apropos of nothing else, just like everything's going great in my life, but I'm driving down the road and I'm like listening to the CDs that, you know, I've like popped in Redheaded Stranger, right? And I'm just like, that, oh, kid, I'm right now, right now, I'm like struggling, right? Like, there's something about, I don't know what that thing is, but there's something about your dad's truck it that is, kind of gets you to a place. It's like, that's what I love about this truck that I have because it's the same. I mean, it's not the truck, it's like, it's the same truck, the same bench seat. You know what I mean? It's uh-huh. like that kind of thing. This, when I first bought that truck, it was missing the uh, little leather door pulls on it. And I, I've spent like two months finding the exact right ones because yeah, I had yeah. to have that and a little leather pocket on the side of it. Like uh-huh. I had to have it pristine because everything about that truck yeah. was so important to me. You yeah. Know what I mean? <laughs> well, and even then those details too, uh, the, the nostalgia of it, but also those details are a country song in themselves, Absolutely. right? Like those, <laughs> yeah. those are a character in themselves, man. Um, is there something, as you were talking about that, I was thinking about your process with the character uh, kind of driven thing and then the process you've been using lately. Is there any overlap there? Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, there is for me. I'm, I've, another thing that's happened... Um, as I've been writing kind of these more linear story songs since then, I mm-hmm, guess. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of the stuff on When to Grow On is not really, you know, just a full story. Mm-hmm. But I've had three or four of the things I've written recently have started as kind of a One to Grow On type thing, and then I just kind of completed the story and just told it as a linear moment. You know yeah. what I mean? And that's really kind of, I've never done that before. I don't know where that came from, but I feel like that's part of the character driven thing that I was exploring with one to grow on now it's like more concise or something now i'm like really into the you know every mm-hmm. time i'm like i said every time i make a record i end up kind of starting to make that record again you know my, my thought process is just there yeah so if i can just make it better or expand on it or you know what i mean make it more you know exactly what i want to say you know yeah about the about the character or whatever so i'm, I'm exploring it too man it's just a constant evolution of that idea i think yeah dude this is solid marinade gold here like <laughs> that it seems sounds like you're in such an exciting place creatively like this is why i just started this fucking show in the beginning with yeah. is these kinds of moments where it sounds like you're in a really good spot where you're kind of you're you're continuing to 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 have the essence of who you are and and who the band is but also that you're you're exploring these new avenues and you're getting to a place where you're challenging yourself and continuing to grow and it's sound it's i feel growth you know i can hear growth i i I appreciate that because to me i'm writing now not thinking about um how it's going to play in a show or you know our, our records have been so different through the years you know cheap silver is nothing like you know one to grow on or whatever that yeah. it kind of opened up, it finally clicked with me. It's like, man, we can make whatever kind of record we want, right? So I don't edit my songwriting process to fit the mold of what I think the band is right uh, now. Right on, you know uh-huh. what I'm saying? It's just like, okay, this song is this what this song is. Yeah. If we'll figure out how to do it with the band when we get to that point, and it might open up some whole other avenue for the band too. Yeah. You know what I mean? So just trying to not put any rules on it right now is really, like, it feels really good to me. That takes a lot of trust in the guys in your band, too. Yeah, we'll see. (laughs) 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 Holy shit. What a baller band leader fucking thing to say. Huh? They'll never never listen to this anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, that's great. 
Um, we've talked about different kind of steps in your career and your your evolution as a creative and, a, and as a as a band. Um, if somebody up to this point was making the documentary of Mike and the Moon Pies, what are like two or three scenes that would absolutely need to be included in the documentary of your career to this point? Well, I mean, the biggest moments for me, I mean, the Cheap Silver thing, making that record and that whole, that was like the way that record came out. It was a moment for us, you know what I mean? It felt like a moment, it really felt like you were in it, man. I haven't been that, like, that excited about just a record release process in a long time, you know what I mean? That was a huge thing. Yeah. And not only just making the record, but showing it to people yeah, <laughs> was yeah. a big thing, you know? Uh, and then just more recently, I mean, doing the Opry thing was the, was a huge thing uh, for uh -huh. me. You know I mean? That's, it was a little bit there where it's like, okay, I've done that, so maybe I'll do something else now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. like, uh, I kind of hit the pinnacle, you know what I mean? That's like, you know, I mean, we're just touring around the country all the time, but yeah. that was one big night, you know? Yeah. That meant it was the culmination of a lot of years, you know? Well, that's huge. And so what do you do? Where do you go from there? Like, what What do you... I mean, there's bigger shows I want to play. There's, yeah. you know, there's all these things that I want to do. I just, I mean, I love making records, really. Yeah. So I think that's what keeps me coming back to it. I okay. like playing I like playing shows, and we have fun at the shows, and the shows are their own thing. But I kind of separate the two things. Like, the show mm. that we do with the band is one aspect of what I like to do. Yeah. And the other is making records. So I that's what keeps me interested in it is is making records like right like i feel so good about writing songs right now i feel really excited about what we can do where they can go on a record and i want to keep i'll keep chasing that forever like cre creating cool stuff you know what i mean to yeah. try to see how far we can take it <laughs> you yeah I mean? do you hit ruts do you hit like um i mean you mentioned that when you go to write again it sounds like the last one and you have to get out yeah. of that do you hit blo blocks or ruts in your writing? I do, but that's how I got, um, I mean, I hit them all the time. Oh. But that's how I got here with the, what I'm what I'm so happy about now. Yeah. You know what I mean? It forced me to try other ways to do it. You know what I mean? Uh -huh. It forced me to learn more, read more about it, and, and try to see where I, you know, where I could go with it. Uh -huh. uh, so the rut, out of the rut was born the whole thing, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like... I gotta try to keep expanding the idea, you know. So I want to touch on something that you you mentioned, and when I asked you that question about the documentary of your life, and you mentioned cheap silver, um, and then like the feeling of wanting to show it to people, and is there what is that? What does that feel like to you once you've once y'all have made that record? What does that anticipation feel like to you? That was that was a very nervous time. Okay. Dude. Yeah. I mean, I was like, I had no idea what people were going to think about that. You yeah. Know I mean, because there's so many people that are really into us as a honky-tonk band or a uh -huh. whatever you want to say about it, however people like to describe it, mm -hmm. which my whole thing has always been like, I don't want to be any, you know, I don't like the genre thing anyway. I don't yeah. want Red Dirt, Texas, whatever, none of that. I don't like yeah. any of those terms. Yeah, yeah. You know, I hate, I know that we have diehard people that are like, man, I love their honky-tonk show thing and their whole deal. Yeah, and I thought, well, they're gonna think they're gonna feel like we turned on them with this thing, you know what I mean? Because there's a symphony. Yeah, <laughs> it. yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And it it was a departure, right? So it was it was super nerve wracking, and it was you know it's like 
I think it's only is it eight songs you know mm -hmm. what I mean so like there was so many reasons there where people could just you know shit all over it is what I thought <laughs> you know what I mean yeah sure. I loved it yeah and I, the whole band was super proud of we, we all felt like man this is the best thing we've ever done you know I don't know how we're gonna do anything cooler than this <laughs> yeah you know but at the same time it's like it could be the end <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know what I mean we'll have to start all over you know with a new fan base try to find new people that dig this and, yeah and abandon all the other people you know but it didn't work out that way at all so yeah the opposite happened uh, yeah. right like yeah, you just you got sure. a bunch more fans and yeah. you're growing and people it was really well received because it doesn't like it's it's still your i mean it's your songs it's not like i don't know i think sometimes when people hear symphony they picture like these like odd marriages of um of of artists that are coming together and um what's a good example? oh so i just there was and, and i loved this performance but Nas did a thing with a with a symphony recently and um and it was uh, it was really cool you know but it's clear it's Nas with a symphony right and like your record's not like that it's it's a Mike and the Moon Pies record there was I mean there was a definite line that we didn't want to cross to where we wanted to be able to play these songs without the symphony anyway right yeah so it was like we had to make the record without it without hearing strings on it so that we knew that it was going to work anyway so i think that's probably where that comes from it's just yeah. that how are these songs going to stand alone right whenever we're not right london <laughs> yeah yeah it, you, know you're not, you're not, you weren't going to tour yeah. with them <laughs> yeah, yeah bring them here yeah yeah that helped for sure yeah um so can you take us back a little bit to i'm always interested in um the moments that you decide to make a creative life because um, it's just such a risk and it's so difficult to pay the bills, yeah. <laughs> you know, especially at first as you're getting started. Can you take us back to like w the moment that you decided like, hey, this is the thing I could maybe do for the rest of my life? Man, I I don't think it was ever decided. There was never, was never, never anything else. I mean, you, I think there's a point where you uh, you hear so many stories when you're a kid, uh, we know now you're now. Okay, let's say you're 12 years old now, and they yeah. go, "Oh man, when you were three years old, you knew all the words to all the George Strait songs." You know what I mean? It's yeah. like uh, there's you hear about your younger self, and you're like, "Oh man, well, if I was doing that then, you know what I mean?" But then does that create it for you? I don't know. Oh, <laughs> like uh. I don't know. But I, I mean, I, I chased it from from then, dude. I mean, there's no there's no prior me. You know what I mean? Wow. <laughs> it's just this is what it was. Wow. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what else to, you know, there I'm was not, no moment for me. It was yeah. just when I was born, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Man, that's beautiful. I'm, I'm not sure I've ever heard anybody put it quite like that. There's always this, this tension and this struggle and this like, uh, is this the thing I'm going to do? And am I good enough and all that kind of stuff? And you just, it was in you. It's always been whatever it takes to do it. You know what Dude. I mean? Where do you think other than just something? Cause there, ha there, you know, we're all kind of, I guess, uh, we're all wired certain ways, right, from from the beginning. Um, but it, there's also sort of nurturing that happens to us that helps us to to develop those things, right? It, what what was it around you that helped maintain that, or was it just like, no, I mean, this is it. I I can't no, I mean, do anything else. When I when I was, a, you know, a big thing about it when I was a kid was was my dad and and his affinity for 
uh, entertainers. Yeah. And you know he was he was always he wanted that lifestyle, right? Like he like, yeah. he he didn't he didn't play or sing or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But he knew all these cats. You know what I mean? He's like he would book shows, right? Uh-huh. Like uh, he, he had bands like semi-iconic people come and play his birthday party all the time he wanted to be attached to it all the time so i was always around it you know uh-huh. I mean? and i saw every aspect of that career if it was a bar band to a superstar you know what i mean and mm-hmm. everything in between you know i mean i saw all the different le- I, I knew early on that there were different levels of it oh right on you know what okay I mean? So it made it maybe more attainable to me or something. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, okay, well, I can do this at this level. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I always want to. I want to do it at this level. Yeah. But you can still maybe make a living doing it. <laughs> yeah. Know, without being a superstar, you know, or something like that. That's what a gift. That's yeah. super helpful to have that because it, uh, it's hard to have that perspective if you don't have it around you like For that. Sure. You know? Yeah, you don't know. I mean, when you're just listening to the radio all the time, you know, you think that, well, there's George Strait and then there's, you know, nobody, yeah. right? There's a, the bar band, right? Yeah. But there's so many levels of it in between the, that, those two things. I still, I do this. This is a hundred, episode 120 whatever, right? I still don't have a good concept of who's big and right. what, what. You know what I mean? Right. Like some of the bands that I'm obsessed with, are playing 500 cap rooms sure. and I'm like, which is great, but also like, aren't you the biggest man in the world? Like you're, you know, <laughs> yeah. you're like the biggest man in my mind, yeah. you know? Well, um, I think as, as long as you've got that, you know, for yeah. some people, then that's where you, you know, if it stays there forever, cool. You know what right. I mean? Right. If it never gets bigger than that. If it never got any bigger than what I'm doing right now, yeah, it'd be awesome. <laughs> you know yeah. I mean? Yeah. If it does, it's even better. Yeah. But right now it's, you know, it's all, it's working, right? Yeah, yeah, you sold out Wills. You got yeah. it's gonna be an incredible night tonight. I'm yeah. so stoked for that. And I'm so as we were talking earlier off mic about we're in Florida and how like y'all have this following here. There's so many folks that love y'all here. <laughs> it's super cool, dude. Isn't that great? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I so mean, that, like I think this is like the sixth sold out show of this tour. It's awesome, man. It's crazy, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, this has been such a pleasure. Uh, I we usually kind of ra- start to wrap things up with what you're getting down on which is like the art that has you inspired at the moment it could be a painting you saw it could be a record you've been listening to it could be a movie you saw if you're really into the last of us i don't know whatever has got you fired up right now yeah i am i am into the last of yeah, us. hell yeah me too <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah and i guess now everybody's into that linda ronstadt song <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah but yeah i mean dude i get i i'm kind of i'm over all over the place um lately I'll have to come back to the Wilco thing just because like I've been so entrenched in that style of thing and I'm mm-hmm. doing the Tweety mm-hmm. thing so much that like I mean there's not a there's not a month go by I don't listen to like either Ghost is Born or YHF uh, and, and like uh-huh. uh, I'm pretty excited now about this new like YHF record store yeah. release day thing that's coming out oh I didn't know that I thought you were going to talk about the uh, the other release they're, with all the extra stuff that they're they doing just, dude, there's so many things right now that yeah. Tweety's about to just drop on us it's so awesome there's a whole another one like a Tweety said it's like a time machine version of Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. Like, <laughs> it's super. What the cool. fuck does that mean? I don't know, but I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna buy it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great, man. Well, dude, Mike, this has been. You tried to kill me like four times <laughs> on this. Uh, this is gonna be a, definitely a very memorable. <laughs> interview um thanks for sticking it out with me dude, dude oh no did i say that (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh my God, you're training, man. Um, so, but yeah, it's been a pleasure, man. I'm so excited for tonight. You got your Joshua Ray Walker, who's also a friend of the Marinade, been on the show before, and Jordan Foley, who's also been on the show before. Nice. We have the whole hat trick on the bill tonight that Marinade does, and it's going to be a great night. And I'm just super thankful for the music that you make. Super thankful for you being such a thoughtful interview partner with this. And thank you again. Just run the Mike Carmeyer, y'all. Thank you so much, Mike. Thank all of you for listening. The song you're hearing in this episode is The Vein from Mike and the Moon Pies, one to grow on. Thank you to producer and tour manager extraordinaire Adam Oder for helping facilitate this conversation. Thank you to Alexis Tedford for setting this up as well, y'all. Everybody involved with the Moon Pies was so helpful and kind and sweet. Themoonpies.com for all things Mike and the Moon Pies. They are easy to root for, y'all. The records are amazing. They're incredible live. If they ever, if you ever come to your town, go see them. Uh, you know, I gave you a little context at the start of my conversation with Mike, but I also want to send some love to Omar, who plays bass for the Moon Pies, and Joshua Ray Walker, both of whom checked on me after I nearly had a panic attack. Omar and I talked at length about mental health and the fact that he's studying music therapy right now. He brought me some water. He checked on me. Josh and I had only met previously via Zoom one time when we recorded an episode of The Marinade about two and a half years ago. Our first face-to-face introduction was me at my most vulnerable, and uh, he handled it with aplomb. The whole night was so special. My good friend Jordan Foley and his band The Wheelhouse kicked off the night on Jordan's birthday. Check out their new singles on your streaming services. And then Joshua Ray Walker and his shit-hot band got us all fired up. And then finally, Mike and the Moon Pies tore the roof off of Will's. They're... Reputation precedes them, and they live up to it. I was just, it was an awesome night. I met a fellow Duval Till We Die Jags fan whose name I did not catch, but he was a bright light. If you are that gentleman and you're listening right now, hit us up on your preferred social media. I'd like to follow you. We've got a few new uh, followers on our socials, and I really appreciate that. It's it, Mike's fans are awesome, and just by posting about Mike, several folks came uh, to follow us over on Instagram. Welcome, everybody. If this is your first Marinade show, I hope you like it here. Thank you so much for listening. Marinadepodcast.com for all things the Marinade, including written pieces, photography, our online store, and more. Give us a follow on Instagram, TikTok. We're on Spoutable now, everybody, which is a pretty cool place. And Twitter. Subscribe and give us a five-star rating on your podcast app. Tell a friend about the show. These are all free ways to support the Marinade. If you really like what we're doing, please consider joining our Patreon community, where for just a few bucks a month, you can gain access to Patreon-exclusive content, like our show Jason's Journey, where I talk about the moments that shape my creative life and provide a window into the process of making the marinade. We have a brand new monthly show called What We're Getting Down On over on Patreon. It's a conversation between myself and my great friend Peter Haroldson. The first episode is available for free at either patreon.com slash podcast or on our marinade podcast feed, wherever you listen. Episode two is also available 
but it's available exclusively on Patreon. And we're having an absolute blast making it. Check out what we're getting down on and let us know what you think. Um, that led, what we're getting down on led to me uh, making my second appearance on the wonderful Raised by Whoops podcast. So uh, look out for that episode coming soon and I'll make sure to remind you when it comes out. Also check out our show Inner Child where I ask our guests childlike questions such as like favorite food, TV show, those sort of things, just silly questions. My Inner Childs with uh, both DL Rossi and Colin Halliburton are live on Patreon. They're super fun. Patreon.com slash marinade podcast if you're interested and can swing it. If you want to support the show financially but you don't want to commit to a monthly subscription, I totally get that. You can Venmo or PayPal us. It's just at the marinade. And all the money goes right back into making the show. Right now, that means uh, saving up to cover some festivals. We've been invited to some really cool events, y'all. And that's a testament to, to all of you and how supportive you've been of this show. Well, for us to cover those things, we got to figure out how to pay for those experiences. I'd love to be able to bring Jen Ross with me. I'd love to, at some point, be able to really... Uh, really expand the amount of coverage that we do um, of festivals and interviewing people and traveling. So if you can swing it financially, we really appreciate it. But as always, this show is free and we're just so thankful that you listen and spread the word about the marinade. I mean, to get to talk to Mike and uh, to have the experience that I just had, it's, I can't t thank y'all enough. It, it happens because you continue to support us and I'm just so grateful until next time. Go out and create something. Cheers, y'all.